morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good, wonderful, good. Good to be with y'all. Hope you had a nice week. Uh, glad we got this place to join, to be together. Uh, if you want, we're going to stand, we'll sing. Um, to the church, we know we got a brother going through a, a big surgery coming up this week. Uh, so I'm going to sing this song, and Rob, you're watching, hope you get some comfort from it and uh, to persevere. So we can all use it. So if you want to stand up, we'll sing. Sometimes sorrow is the door to peace. Sometimes heartache is the gift we need. But you're faithful, faithful in all things. Still our rock, our hope remains. We'll rest in the arms of Jesus, come what may. shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, leads me to still waters, and he restores my soul. Together. The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. The Lord is our shepherd, leads us to still waters, and he restores our soul. In every high, in every low, on mountaintops, down broken roads, you're still our rock, our hope remains. We'll rest in the arms of Jesus.
Father, you are with us always, and that's how we make it through from day to day, not by our own strength, but by yours. Um, so this morning, as we hear your word, as we praise you with these songs, God, just may we submit more and more to you, to surrender more. This is the only kingdom where surrender is the absolute show of strength on our part. There's wars everywhere, and men will always fight against each other, God. And in your kingdom, there is no fear. There's nothing for us to worry about. You are with us through everything. This life will never get easier, but with you it's possible. So we praise you for that. We love you. We're here for you this morning. And may our ears be open to what you're saying to us. We love you and praise you. Amen. Kids, you uh, can go up to the your classes. And this is a, a new song we're going to teach you this week. Oh, 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 oh,
cross could offer his only son who else invites me to call him father only our holy Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, you guys feel like we're off to a good start today. It's good to see everybody, and it's good to be with you guys online and you guys up in the balcony as well. Um, I know some of you I saw yesterday. We had a great uh, men's day yesterday. Men stepped it up. We had even more show up, and I, I think it's wonderful. I know not everybody can be there on a Saturday morning, but uh, those of you who could join us, just so glad that you could, uh, you could be with us. And uh, thank you to Josh and uh, to Rich. Uh, they did a really fantastic job uh, helping to make that a good experience of fellowship. Uh, so it's always good to celebrate things, right, because we get a lot of, lot of stuff that is just negative, 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 and while, you know, we need to be tuned into things like wars and things that are happening in our country and economy and stuff, we also have to balance that with gratitude and thanksgiving and recognition for things that are the blessings in the everyday, and there's tons of them. Uh, and there's just been some this morning, and I, I'll just name, uh, I'll just go with one, and it's uh, having Virginia Bond uh, with us. Yeah, so glad to have you with us, Virginia. And one of your two sidekicks that you, you seem to have with you from time to time, pretty much all the time, from California. Welcome to northeastern, sunny, snowy, cold, hot, rainy 
Michael Heil. Well, um, that, uh, that I think is definitely a good thing to celebrate, and I know there's a lot more. Um, uh, wanted to mention as well, uh, as you know, Rob Coffey's going in. Uh, be praying for you, Rob, because I know Rob's watching online. On Thursday, uh, he's going in for bypass surgery, and I know that um, it's been uh, a lot of anticipation leading up to this, and just appreciate all the prayers that you've offered on his behalf because, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's got a way on you, and uh, we want you to know that we'll be praying for you on Thursday as well as today. Um, so uh, that's just sort of a, a primer for any prayer concerns or praises that you guys want to bring, and Patty, just right out of the gate. I mean, the gate hasn't even dropped yet, and you're already... All right. Oh, Twyla's with us. Yeah. And, you know, Twyla's just been pining to be here. But, you know, COVID showed up at her doorstep and she said, I'm kicking you to the curb. And it was a wrestling match, wasn't it? And then here you are. You prevailed because that's, that's the gritty person that you are that we've come to know and love. So, yeah, good to have you. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, Pat? Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Pat, what's the name of your son and your grandson? Nick and Eddie Sheen. Okay. And uh, pray for them as they recover in Korea. And also pray for Laura Heastan as she's dealing with the uh, effects of uh, radiation therapy. So please keep her lifted up. Anyone else? Okay. Well, we're just going to go ahead and uh, take... Yes, Robin. My stepdad's in the hospital. Okay. What's your stepdad's name? Larry. Larry. Okay. We'll pray for Robin's stepdad, Larry. Okay, that sounds very serious. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so taking in Thursday night non-responsive, so obviously that's, that's just uh, very disturbing. Kathy? Friend Kathy yes. having chemo. Lovely lady and very much a Christian, so I pray for her. Yeah, okay, will do. All right. We are going to take this before the Lord then and um, gather around his throne. So would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, it is a privilege to celebrate your name with such a spirit of hopefulness. Because we know that if we just looked at life strictly from the visual standpoint, we would be pretty crushed and pretty overwhelmed. And we thank you that we can come into this place and know that that is not the final view of how we should look at life and how life ultimately is going to look when you are finished doing your good work. 
And so we are hopeful. We are trusting in your presence and your power. We're trusting that if you're allowing things to happen in the world, that um, you'll only let them go to a certain point before you, you, you say stop. And as things happen in the world, Lord, we know it is our responsibility to stay tethered to you, anchored in you, and aware of you in every moment of every day. You have given us so many promises that talk about your sustaining presence in our lives, your care and your protection. And even when we go through trials, Lord, we are grateful that you are there to go with us through them. And you will see us through them to a place where whatever your timetable is, we'll find healing and if not, ultimate healing. And so either way, Lord, we are confident that the promises that we have that are based in your son will hold true. And it is with that confidence where we walk by faith and not by sight, that we gather in your name, knowing that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, knowing that there's a thin space between heaven and this earthly reality that uh, closes in on us. We thank you, Father, that worship on Sunday mornings is your way of making that space even thinner as we gather collectively, as we align in our hearts and our minds around your Son, and as we receive from you our daily bread in the form of literal bread and spiritual bread that nourishes our soul. So I pray, Father, that as we gather, if there are things that you need to say to us, we would be still enough to hear your voice, your nudging, that impression that you're putting upon us. And if it's from the people around us, Lord, help us to receive that as well. And Lord, as we offer to you the, the message and the worship and especially our hearts, we pray that you would use that combination of what we're experiencing in them today to make us um, even stronger in your son. Lord, we're grateful for being with those who have been struggling right now and are able to gather. We're thankful for being with Virginia and that her daughter could come and spend time with her and with us. And we're grateful for Twyla and just for helping her through a season of, of, of a very difficult uh, set of experiences. Thank you for encouraging us and those that I haven't mentioned that I know have also gone through that this week and will continue to face their own challenges. I pray that you would uh, just be the presence that we need, the healer that we need for the things that burden us, Lord. I pray that you would be with those that we have mentioned, that you would be with Nick and Eddie as they recover from COVID, that you be with Laura He Stand and give her healing from the effects of a radiation treatment, that you be with Kathy's friend, Kathy, who is going into a journey that hopefully she trusts that you are gonna hold her hand through. We pray, Father, for Robin's friend, Larry, who is languishing right now in the hospital, that you would give him an extra measure of grace. And if you are calling him home, uh, help him to know your peace and um, your beckoning love as, um, as, as he comes into those final moments, if that's his time. 
Father, thank you for being with our church and the gatherings that we've had, the things we've celebrated. And especially as we think about Rob Coffee, who's just been on our mind so heavily, we ask on Thursday that you and your angels would surround him, that you'd work through those who are uh, tasked to his care to provide the healing that he needs, and that as our ultimate healer, you would, you would be not only the overseer of that process, but also the one who brings life and breath and health again. Lord, as we just look ahead to the days ahead as they unfold, I ask that you help our church and each of us individually to stay anchored in the things that have kept us healthy so far. Thank you for the studies that we've had in your word and Luke, and thank you for this pivot that we're making right now into the Lent season, where we're looking at our lives very carefully and we're asking what it is that we can do to pay closer attention to you in our lives. Thank you for what we're doing in our shared studies with the Lent Guide and with our classes and groups and people that are talking about the Lord's Prayer. And I just ask, Lord, that even as I preach on it today, that as we get ready to pray it in the saturation of it, that its full meaning would come alive inside this body of people. So we surrender ourselves to its substance as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, if, um, if, if you have your Bibles with you, we're gonna be pushing the pause button on the book of Luke for uh, uh, the time between now and Easter. And in the meantime, we're gonna be looking at some key scriptures from uh, what, we're, what we're reading in the Lent Guide. One of them being, uh, for starters, the Lord's Prayer. And if you have... Uh, the, the devotional, which we we're putting out in two-week installments, and they're free right in the back of the, of the, of the, uh, the hallway there behind the church uh, sanctuary. Uh, pick one up or two or give some to your family members uh, because we'd like for as many people as possible to just take this season and allow the Lord to speak to us, to nourish us, to help us. Um, so we have the, the next installment. Uh, it will include... Uh, the finishing out of the Lord's Prayer for, uh, and this will be the week after this coming week, not to confuse you all, but we wanted to give you two weeks notice on this so that if you don't pick one up this week, you can pick one up next week and still be in the process. That's kind of clunky, isn't it? But uh, hopefully you got it. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about just being able to put this together, spend time on it and allowing it to kind of saturate my bones so that when I preach on uh, uh, Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, or, or Acts 2, or Ephesians 4, um, I, I hope that what's in the text is going to come alive more and more in your life and mine. I, I spent a lot of time last week on the, the text from Acts 2. I just kind of disappeared and went subterranean and was spending a lot of time writing it. And then come Thursday morning when Brittany said, okay, it's due right about today. 
um, I read through it, and I'm like, I don't like any of it. And so from pretty much the more early morning Thursday to the end of the evening or the, the end of the workday, I was, I was rewriting it. And it was like God just sort of overwhelmed me and it just flowed. And, I'm, and I, I, I just kept going. And I, it was like God made me discontent with what I had. And he said, this is what I have for you. And so I'm pretty excited about how Acts 2 is going to shape up in three weeks there. Well, that's enough. Let's just jump right into the Lord's Prayer today as, um, as, we, as we need to explore it. Well, for starters, we read it last week, and Brittany did get some responses in the office about a typo that is in it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I texted her back, Brittany, it's been good knowing you. I'm going to pack up my stuff and just go quietly because I think this one is fatal. Uh, I've butchered the Lord's Prayer, and I don't know if I can recover from that. Well, I did feel pretty bad that you read that, but then I thought about it, and I'm like, well, what does it mean to hollow the name of the Lord versus hallow the name of the Lord? Well, for starters, we don't. I mean, when's the last time you used the word hallow in a sentence, anybody, apart from saying the Lord's Prayer? It's pretty ancient language. And if you've been reading in the devotional, you know it means just to make it, make it holy, to revere it, to sanctify it in your, in your imagination and your heart, to respect it. To hollow it, I think, means kind of the opposite. Like it doesn't have any significance to you. Like you think about the name of God and it's just like maybe every other swear word you've thrown out. And maybe you haven't sworn, and that's a good thing, but maybe you're like me, you have, and you're ashamed to say that you did. But Hollywood is a way of thinking about God in terms of you don't mean a whole lot. And I know that the outside the walls of this building, there are people who have this sense that Jesus and God really don't matter. They have no bearing on my life. And that is a lie. That is a bold-faced denial of the very things that Jesus accomplished for you and me. And I, I, I can't deny him and what he did. I can't say, yeah, I kind of agree with you. All religions are the same. It doesn't. I, I just can't. Um, there's something about the name of Jesus that is just laden with so much substance and power. And he gets that through his connection with the Father. And I wonder sometimes, how do we hollow out the Lord's Prayer? And I thought about that too, and I thought, Lord, I think I've been guilty of hollowing out the Lord's Prayer. I've come up here and I've said it, and I'll tell you what, my mind was on the message, or my mind was on a prayer conversation to getting up here. I was just kind of hollowing out the prayer, not thinking about what the prayer was supposed to mean and do. And so if you're guilty like I am of hollowing it out, let's spend a little time hollowing it, shall we? 
So if you have message notes, um, we're going to be looking at those. And I haven't been entirely good about helping you to fill in all the gaps. But last week, I have to say, I, I did, I believe, 100%. You got out of here with them all. If you didn't, then you weren't paying attention. Just saying. And I get it. I've had to listen to sermons, too. And, you know, uh, we don't always pay attention. But with this sermon, we have to. Because it is so fundamental to everything that Jesus did. It defines his life and ministry. And so if you have your, your Bibles with you or you want to look at just follow along on the text that we have uh, projected on the screen or on your phone, however you want to. But the thing I want you to understand before I jump into it is there has to be a set of eyes that we have when we look at this prayer in a fresh way. And the prayer is fundamentally about relationships, which we're going to get into in a second. But this is what I've discovered about relationships. Every life-giving relationship that we have is based on consent. That is, I agree to be in this relationship with you. It could be a friendship. It could be a marriage. It could be working with coworkers. It could be any type of group of people that you are connected to, that you have a relationship with. You're there because you've consented to the things that you've agreed upon. When you, when you get married, you have the pastor recite vows, and you say these vows are going to be the agreed-upon basis for the rest of our conversation. When you come to church and you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you confess publicly that he is Lord, that's an agreed-upon understanding that everything that we do here is based upon mutually Believing, accepting, and trusting, and being held accountable to that public agreement. And maybe you've had agreements with friends or people that are close to you, and somewhere along the way, and maybe it wasn't a formal, hey, these are the ten things that our relationship's about, but maybe there was just a sense, yeah, you know, we talked about this and that and the other, and I always felt like that was the thing that sort of kept us glued together, that understanding. But I'm finding that somehow along the way, you no longer buy into that. And then the relationship will either fall apart or it'll morph into a new and better agreement. And then there's unhealthy relationships, which are kind of un one-sided. An unhealthy relationship is based on coercion. How can I make you do what I want you to do? And so I look at you and I'm saying, how can I get out of you what I want from you? Now, as a Christian, that, that, that's crossing a line because you are asking somebody in a coercive way to do what your will is. And that's where we get into a little bit of trouble with the Lord's Prayer. So how do, how, how, do we, how do we figure? Let's just look at this prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and following, we read these words. Because the disciples are looking at Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, 
the way we see you pray is different than the way other people are praying. And, and we, we're, we're curious. We want to know what you're up to. And so Jesus kind of points out some of the stuff that they have seen modeled in terms of prayer. And so it says, he says, well, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And by the way, if you follow Jesus and his ministry, there's always these people just within earshot hanging out, sort of following him, checking him out, kind of taking notes, telling higher authorities this is what he's been up to. And he says, those guys, the Pharisees, for they stand and they pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And Jesus is calling out the people that are supposed to be the religious representatives of prayer. And this is territory that comes very close to home because we're religious people. And the habits of the Pharisees, unfortunately, can become our habits as well. And he uses a word in there that um, I, I think we have to pay attention to. And it's come up in, in Luke. And it's a word hypocrite. And for the people that are reading this later on, there's two senses of this word. One of them is if you're a Pharisee and you're claiming to represent God, but you're doing it from a tradition or a set of teachings that aren't true to the original teachings of God, the Torah, the Old Testament, that's hypocritical because you say you're for him, but you're not even in tune with what he said. But then there's another kind of hypocrisy that says it's a little bit more personal, and we're familiar with this one. It's a kind where you are one person here, but you're another person there. And it comes from the acting world of the Greeks. See, back then they didn't have as many actors, you know, going to California saying, you know, I want to be in your show. There were just a, a few, and if I were in a play, I would come out maybe as one character. I'd be the villain, and then during the, um, you know, the, 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 the scene change, I'd go back, and I'd put on another face or another mask, and I'd come out as perhaps um, a, a, another key character in the storyline. And it was unusual for that type of production or play to have one person do four or five different roles with four or five different masks. And the idea that Jesus is drawing from is they're wearing a mask because who they are and who they think they are and who they think they want you to think for them to be is not who God sees. Now, maybe that wasn't a good way to say it, but in a sense... Maybe we can relate to it because when we pray, I know that some of us, you know, when we gather in settings like um, group gatherings, class gatherings, if that's the only time that you pray, you're in dangerous territory of being in this group because essentially what you're saying is I'm only going to pray when I'm asked to pray publicly in front of people. Other than that, I'm not going not gonna to pray. And the only reason why you're praying, let's be honest, is because the people around you are saying that's the thing to do right now. Now, I'm not saying that that's everybody under all circumstances. 
But I'm just saying that if that is the only reason why you're praying, maybe we've got to pay some attention here and, and relearn what the prayer is about. Because there's a big question here. What is prayer? What is prayer? And what do you think of when you think of prayer? Well, if I could just sort of say the key most important part of prayer that I, I know of is prayer is about conversation, a conversation with God, talking and listening. And if, any, if you guys know me and you're Brittany or Brian, you have to work with me, I do a lot of talking. And sometimes they're like, we would just like to be heard. But it's kind of hard, you guys, when I'm busy talking. And sometimes when we pray, we're just talking and then we're done. And I think what God wants us to do is ask and maybe just be real still. Sometimes thoughts come into your head. Sometimes just the peace of God comes into your and sometimes God is saying, I just want you to be still. And sometimes God says, I'm going to impress someone or something on you, either in this moment or pretty shortly after this prayer. And if I do, that's me talking back to you. That's me speaking to your spirit. And I, I don't have any like, hey, this is how that works, other than to say, if you are impressed by a thought that just kind of comes out of nowhere, that seems to be attuned to the thoughts of the Lord and his purposes, and maybe it's just a person. Maybe God is saying, yeah, you should, you should pray about that. Yesterday, or a couple of days ago, uh, my son Stephen was driving to Worcester, and, or Wor Worcester? Yeah, Worcester. Um, and he, um, he was getting ready to go, and I had this, I was standing in front of the refrigerator, and it was like something just poked me, and it said, he's going to get in an accident. And I thought, now nah, that's just me being a parent. You know, like, I'm worried about my kid going off and getting in an accident. Well, two hours later, get a phone call, and it's to his mom, and m mom is using language that sounds like car accident kind of language. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I hope he's okay. Well, long story short, he got rear-ended by somebody at a, at a stoplight. It wasn't, he, I said, how, how was it? And he said, well, it was just like being at, the, at Sandusky when the, when the ride ends, it just kind of abruptly like that. And I said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I really am fine. But I thought, you know what? Huh. And I told Mandy, I said, I didn't pray for him. He's going off. I didn't pray for him. And I think God was saying, you should pray for him. Well, that kind of stuff. You just kind of know it. And after a while, you kind of see the pattern. And most of the time, I try not to ignore it. But that time, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm, I'm I got to get something out of the refrigerator right now. It's important. Well, that's not how the conversation works. And as prayer is being described by Jesus, he takes into account what you shouldn't do based on people who are just doing it for public display. He's saying, they'll, they'll get their reward. It's, it's the fact that 
people saw him. Good for them. But that's not really what God wants us to think about in that conversation with the Father. So in Matthew 6, we we read uh, another statement to another group of people. He says, um, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And I think he's just trying to curb that tendency that you and I have to say, well, let's just pray a nice public prayer. He's saying, no. No one should know. It should just be you and the Father in a pattern of behavior that says, I do this on a pretty regular basis. And that's what God's looking for in us, especially now in the, in the post-quarantine moment that we're in. I think he's saying, rethink this prayer. It'll help you through the, help, help you through the moment. And as it does, um, we discover something about prayer. Um, in the next couple of verses, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And that's a whole lot of stuff in there. Make a couple of points, and that is, so if you're a Gentile, basically you're used to worshiping gods because there was no such thing as atheism in that day. Everybody worshiped something, oftentimes publicly. There were shrines everywhere. If you had, a, if you, if you, if you had girlfriend, boyfriend problems, there was a shrine. If you had the farm's not doing too well, there's a shrine. If you had, I wish I was more successful with money, there's a shrine. Whatever the basic human need was, there was a God that said, I can provide this for you. And so you had the Roman pantheon, which was by design, gods who are looking down on us, and they're saying, I don't know what you feeling like doing today, Zeus. Well, all I know is this person, Dimitri, keeps asking me for help with his farm. Should we help him? Should we not? I don't know. I'm feeling like having some fun today. Let's just tease him a little bit. Let's pretend like we're helping him, and then let's take it out, and let's just laugh at him. That really was the sense. So they're like, whatever your Greek god is, I'm not going to say a name in here because I don't want to acknowledge it, but whatever your god is, you person in the sky, X, I need this. And so I'm going to spend the whole day trying to get your attention to let you know that I need this. And Jesus said, that's not how it works with our God. Our God is far more accessible than that, far more personal than that, and unbelievably interested in what you're going through. To the point where heartbreak is also part of this whole thing, as he sees what you're facing. That's the kind of God that Jesus had to show up on earth and present through his life, hands and face and behavior and responses to people that embody what the Father would do if he were here in human form. And he did that. So here's what we take away from that. 
Prayer is about knowing someone and then asking for something based on what that relationship needs or requires. That's it. You know God. God has some expectations in the relationship that we have with him. It's a way of saying we receive grace for our salvation, and now he wants to give us grace to live it out in a way that helps us to meet the challenges that he moves us into, kingdom-sized challenges that require much more than what we have inside of us. That's what the relationship needs, is for us to know what that is and then to lean on him as a source for those things that he wants us to do. And no question, God wants to provide for us. God wants to help us with our careers, with our families, with all of our personal needs. But he also wants us to see that we live on a timeline where our time here has a spiritual responsibility that he wants to not only give us, but I would say privilege us to be a part of. Because there's something special when you are in tune with what God wants for your life, whether you're a pastor or whether you are just saying, God, help me just to do in my sphere of, of, of people, help me to be who I need to be. Help me to be in my church who they need me to be. And there's a special joy that comes from that. It's asking for something based on what that relationship needs. But I can assure you, you will not know what that relationship needs if you don't pay attention to what Jesus expects. So here we go. Um, prayer is one of those things that Jesus says needs to be understood in this way. So let's just start out by saying, Our Father. Now, if you're going through the devotional guide, you know there's a discussion about Father. And probably everyone in the room would say, my father was not perfect. And some would say, but he really was a good person. And some would say, somewhere on the continuum, he was okay. And then others might say, no, he was abusive and I hate him. And so when you hear the word our father, some of us have to unlearn some things about what we think of when we hear that word. Others of us, um, like, like Keith McDonald, godly man, read the scripture. You guys are very blessed whenever you send him home. And there was something about the overlap between his life and the life of the father that made it easy for you to understand the father. And then there's others of us. You know, I love my dad, but he was an alcoholic. So you know what that does to a person and other family dynamic. And part of the reason why I was drawn to church was I wanted to know what a better example of a father was. And my father was a good guy, don't get me wrong. But I needed more. I needed as a young man to understand how to be a man in the best way possible. And in that case, I think the father helped me to take the baton from what my earthly father did. He, I mean, my earthly father taught me how to pray, albeit it was, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, 
you know, the one, if I die before I wake, and you tell a fourth grader that, and you know what that does to their thinking. But his intent was, you, this is what I learned growing up. And it didn't go much past that. Thankfully, I was able to have time later on, but um, that's another story. But the more I understand about not my Father in heaven, but interestingly enough, our Father, our Father, that gives him a little bit different meaning. In one of the songs that we sang, um, they changed up the words because it was one about that came from the 23rd Psalm. Do you remember that? The Lord is my shepherd and stuff. And then you, you sang, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. One of the things that we believe is that prior to the pandemic, a lot of Christianity was just about me and what I want out of the faith. And so it became sort of consumeristic. And then God said, I want you guys to just take a huge time out. And something happened in a lot of us during that time. We became aware of something we weren't paying attention to. And that was, there's a lot of my identity, which is self-made. You know, I've learned this, and I've baked that habit into it. And I've got that skill and all that stuff. But there's a, there's a percentage of me that says, that's all well and good, Leonard. But without people in your life, you will languish. You will not be healthy, no one is made to live in isolation. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I discovered that. There's a, there's a social component to our identity that we can't deny. And one of the things that God wants you and I to be aware of is part of that social component that is a part of your life and mine comes from this us together and when we are not healthy together all of us are unhealthy together and that's why i think god had said leonard and i had this conversation with the elders you just open up the book of luke and you need to just follow me where i'm leading you i never preached like that before and i'm like that's not gonna fly but hasn't it been not just interesting, transformational to follow him wherever the text leads us? I'm like, Leonard, why did you not do that sooner? But God said, when you do that and you do that together, you will be healthy together. And as we're going into Lent, I think God is also saying when you pray the Lord's Prayer, just hit the delete button on everything you have known about it or did with it and ask in a fresh way, what is this prayer supposed to mean? Right now, post-quarantine, in an us-together moment. And that's really my, that's the question the Lord's laid on my heart. So then we pray, my Father in heaven, you can't. You're not honoring the word. We have to pray our, ours. We're family. You know, they say, don't go into business with your family. 
God says, I want you to go into business with your family. And you're like, well, that's impossible. And God's like, I know it's impossible. And I ask you to do it. Because you're not going to be able to do it without me. And you can't do it without keeping my name holy. And when I saw that text from Brittany, hallowed be your name. My first question was, not do I have a job. What does it mean to hollow your name? And I had my answer pretty quick. And I felt a little bit of shame. Because I thought, yeah, probably a good thing I put it in there. Maybe that was supposed to be there. Because his name maybe hasn't had the level of regard and respect that it needs. You know, my wife's married to a teacher. And one of the teachers was texted by a parent the other day, because the parents now have access to the teachers all the time, 24-7, and can tell them what to do when they need to do it. How would you like to have that kind of a job? So here literally was one of the texts. Our son stepped in dog poop on the way to, uh, before, he, before he went to school. I, I didn't have time to clean it off. Could you clean it off for him? Okay. Now, that's just an example of the level of respect that is in our culture right now. We don't respect police officers, teachers, administrators, pastors, adults. Part of the problem is we have to work on our respectability. And the other part of it is we have to relearn that unless we want to live like animals, we have to respect things if we want nice things or people. And so it starts with saying, God's for you, but you better respect him you don't at your peril. It's not like Jesus is saying, I'm coercing you to do this. He's saying that. It's that understanding of who he is that makes it work. And authority and respect for authority, I think have been sort of written out of the vocabulary of 20 of the year night. Uh, <laughs> Somebody just said, you're old. You almost said 19, didn't you? <laughs> no, I'm just mature -er -er than some. 2022, respect for adults and authority. Deleted. But what institution, what community of people, because it can't single-handedly be recovered, what community of people does God have in mind to bring life and health back to the people around us but the church. And so God's saying, I'm asking you, First Christian Church, to pay careful attention to the stuff that you've seen and heard ad nauseum, but now I got you in that place where you are asking in a fresh way, what does that mean? I want you to stay there for a while.
because the people around you need you to know it. Well, I love this, this prayer. I preached on it almost as much as I preached on Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son. And it has a main idea, and I'm going to end it at this main idea. I'm going to break this sermon up into two pieces because it's just so good. And um, Brian sent me a message on my phone, which is down there. So I'll get it real quickly. I can't read lips. I don't know what people mean whenever they point at me. I'm pretty socially oblivious, to be honest with you. Um, don't have my glasses. You're on communion. I was thinking somebody else was. I'm sorry. I'm responsible, and I dropped the ball. Can you forgive me? If you can't, you better show up next week because <laughs> we're going to talk about that. But the main idea is we not only pray the Lord's Prayer to God, but we also are asking God to fulfill it through our lives. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is happening in heaven. Because there's a gap between heaven and earth. What heaven is and what earth should be that God is using Jesus to close and he starts with each of our lives to close that gap. And once we start to see it and heaven starts to take hold, then we become quickly aware I have a part in this, don't I? And the Lord's like, yep, you do. You do. No member of this family is going to gravy train. Not because God wants to kick us out. Not because God doesn't want to provide for us. Not because God says, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prosper from your uh, backbreaking work. No, because it brings a dignity back to ourselves and the people around us when we live and behave and work in a way that reflects him. And so we have a part to play in making this prayer become a reality. It is a call to action. Now, next week when we gather, we're going to explore a little bit about what that means at the ground level. But I hope you understand our Father is a very accessible word because our Father is a very accessible God. And He longs for us to just simply say to Him, not just our Father, but I'm going to break my rule here for a second. My Father. Each of us. Because He relates to us that way as well. My father said, hey, father of Stephen, you should pray for Stephen. And this father said to that father, busy. And then I get the phone call. And then that father said to this father, too busy, huh? And this father said to that father, um, I'm at a loss of words. And that father said to this father, Maybe next time. Maybe next time we'll get it right. He's very patient. And he's pulling you into this space because he wants you to get right 
with him. And if we're doing our job, our job is to help you do exactly that. So at the end of the, the, this time, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for our time around the Lord's table. And then when I get done, I'd like for you to just open up your um, communion. And you can even start now. Patty Pim's already got it done because she's <laughs> on it. And, and then we'll, we'll meet him at his table. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that at the end of this message, when we've heard things that are a challenge to our understanding of our lives and our walk with you and each other, it's so refreshing to know that your posture towards us is deeply kind and loving, but also desirous of us being the kind of people that you've designed us to be to begin with. And we know that that only can happen when Jesus, your son, is embedded richly in our hearts, in our being. And Father, I just pray for everyone here and friends online that if there has been just, yeah, Jesus is a, he's a feature of my life, but he's not central to my life that each of us in this room would just confess, Lord Jesus, move from the side to the center of my heart and be Lord of my life so that your good work could happen in my life. I could know rich fellowship with you and with my brothers and sisters. And the things that I try to do on my own and don't do right, Lord, by your strength and your power and your wisdom, I know I can, I can do what you call me to do. So I pray for those who don't know your Father that are in this room, that you would stir up that thing in their hearts that only you can to lead them into that relationship, that space where conversations are healthy with you. And help us, Lord, to see who you're doing that with and to be the voice and the director that you need us to be at that moment. And as we take the loaf and the cup, Lord, it reminds us of the table you prepared for us, the banqueting table, the desire that you have to host us, not only as the master at the table, but the servant who serves those who gather. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on a cross, that you allowed your glory to be exchanged for our shame. And you've given us a peace and a hope and a life that we would not have without you. So as we take the loaf and the cup, we know your bloodstained cross is the pathway by which we know you and know the Father. So if we need to for ask forgiveness for sins, please just forgive us, Lord. And if we need to just celebrate the blessings, because we haven't lately, help us to do that. And if we need to just express to you, Lord, a simple but powerful thank you, help us to do that as well. And whatever it is you want us to dwell on as we take this meal together, give us the eyes and the heart and especially the ears to hear 
that thing you want to tell us at the dinner table. And we thank you, Lord, as we ask your blessing on the loaf and the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad no one has indigestion from the meal because as we leave today, it is, uh, it is Lent season. It is a time of taking some time to be in a quiet place and to hear the, wor the words from the Lord. And it was probably the quietest I've heard you guys. In a while. Well, I heard the <laughs> but that was a good sound too. We're going to um, just offer a couple of things. We have a couple of announcements, and then we're going to release you guys. As I mentioned earlier, there are Lent devotional guides uh, now available. And we also want to encourage people that are maybe not in a group, because we're, we're asking our, our classes and our groups to take the leader questions at the end of each week and discuss them with uh, their people when they gather. And if you want to be a part of one of those gatherings, it's not too late to sign up. Um, uh, and and if, you, if you desire, uh, outside the wall where the Lent guides are, um, there's a sign-up sheet for uh, a couple more opportunities that are going to be meeting. I encourage you to do that, because I don't know that I would be who I am without being with people, apart from gathering here that are believers. That's probably where the best growth has happened, and uh, we want to see you guys be strong. So... If you're really strong, you can join the property committee and you can help with uh, the, the strong things that requires. Um, and if you're strong at um, helping out, there's a place. And then we have our events uh, team meeting on Thursday uh, um, uh, uh, this coming. And if you wanna be a part of planning events that are coming up, we're trying to create fellowship events, outreach events, and I'm not gonna coerce you to do any of this stuff, but I am gonna ask you to sincerely ask God, God, is there something you want me to do? And we'll try to help you however we can. 
to be engaged. Well, that's it. We are done. However, it's time to get to work. So we'll close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us this morning, for showing us this prayer, helping us to reabsorb it into our being in a way that hopefully finds the best expression possible in this post-quarantine moment that you are using your church for. Go with us as we leave. May your blessing and peace be upon everyone here. May you guard and keep everyone. May you help us to revere your name. And may um, you uh, create the path as we make our own goals. And we love you and we trust you, Father, in Jesus' name.